We want to know how can spirituality transform our social movements and how can activism connect us to a life that embodies radical compassion? We'll ask these questions and more on The Rising, Spirituality for Revolution. Welcome to The Rising, Spirituality for Revolution. I'm Rebecca Burnt. And I'm Chelsea McMillan. And we're your hosts. Rebecca, what is The Rising? What is this podcast going to be all about? Um, well, it kind of started because you and I have known each other for a little while. We've been part of these sacred activist circles, which you'll talk more about in a minute. But you and I are both spiritual directors um, and a lot of people probably don't know what that is, but a spiritual director is really about uh, sitting with people um, to help them come home to their own souls and their own spirits and to connect with some sort of divine source, whatever that looks like for them, whether it's like God, the universe, however they define that, their higher self, um, helping them to strengthen and develop their own connection to that. And so we both have had these spiritual interests. We've both been part of activist communities. And uh, the idea for this really came about because very clearly we are in a place right now in our history, in our world, when uh, there's a lot of craziness going on. Um, there's a lot of change and the opening of potential change, but there's also a lot of uh, things that are really frightening happen happening. And um I was listening to a lot of the people around me, uh, a lot of my friends and uh, acquaintances that are, who are on social media and stuff, and um, just feeling a lot of the fear, um, which is really legitimate, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. especially for people who are not as privileged as I am, who um, are people of color or queer or whatever like there's there's I'm not trying to diminish anybody's fear um but I know from my own work and my own life that fear is only so useful it only gets you so far and at some point if you really want to respond to a difficult situation um, in a really generative and creative and ultimately effective way you have to find a way to move beyond the fear and so my hope for this podcast was that we could begin to uh, inspire people with a hopeful vision for a more beautiful world and that that vision can sustain us during these difficult times that like we have a sense of what it is that we're working and fighting for as activists, um, that we could connect people with resources and practices that can help them and sustain them during the difficult uh, times and, and can help them to do the painful work that has to be done to build uh, what the writer Charles Eisenstein calls the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. And also to really interview and highlight and promote the work of some amazing activist healers and other leaders who are, are doing this work of creating the world that we all want to live in. And that was my goal. And when I approached you and we talked about it and you were really excited about it. And I think the vision kind of grew as you added to it. And um, the rising 
that name is really all about this idea that um, there is something arising right now. And I believe that there is. There is as much as we're seeing the collective shadow of our country and our nation and the sort of the white supremacist, colonialist, capitalist, imperialist um, world that we've all lived in, um, it's an opportunity for us to to change and grow uh, collectively as a country, as a nation, as a people. And um, it doesn't mean that we'll get there without difficulty and pain, but there is something, I believe, to look forward to. And there is something exciting about that. And so um, there is something, I believe, rising up in all of us and we're feeling it. And um, some people are reacting out of fear by turning to hatred and anger and violence. And, um, and some of us are may still have the fear, but are choosing to turn towards creativity and hard work and hope. So that's what this podcast is about. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk more about all of these things. Um, and something you just said about, uh, the resources, you know, providing resources that people can really tap into. And, and I think that that's, um, that's what we're going to arise from. You know, sometimes I mm-hmm. think about our activism, we sort of sometimes think of it as like, I'm going toward something. I'm going toward this more beautiful world of, um, you know, people being in reciprocity with each other and and cooperating with each other and and everyone has equal rights and, and we see that. But I think that in some ways, those are the things that we're arising from are these places mm-hmm. of of already recognizing the beauty that is in the world and, and gratitude for those things. And, um, so for me, that's kind of what, I mean, you, you said the term sacred activism, and I think that that's what we're going to be really talking about here, which is that intersection of, um, spirituality and social justice. And that's sort of what we're arising from. And, and that point where these two things come together, um, is really the point where, uh, personal transformation meets collective transformation, social transformation, mm. and that there is no one without the other. And that by engaging in the world, we're also engaging in our own self-growth and healing. And And I think that it's really about tapping into something greater than ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, as spiritual directors, like you said, we help people to tap into that thing that they find most sacred. And, and that might be God, spirit, uh, universal consciousness, the collective unconscious. Um, and, and that's really where I think where activism can sort of take a page from, from contemplative practice and, and spiritual paths where we can sort of tap into something that's greater than, than any one of us. Um, Mm -hmm. and that by, you know, being together, we're sort of tapping into that, that which is greater than ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say, I mean, I do think activism has also in some ways been about tapping into that, too, mm-hmm. about working for justice for everyone. And, and so I think it's it's both activism taking a page from spirituality and spiritual spirituality taking a page from activism as well, because we can sort of have our own practices where we sort of like feel this like sense of universal you know, sacred love or something greater than ourselves just 
within our own personal beings, or maybe even in, in a like a sangha or a church or you know some kind of spiritual community. But activists for a long time have been tapping into this something greater that is really about everybody. You know, <laughs> like um, it's an absolutely it's about all of us in the world, like in our bodies, um, connected to the earth in a very grounded way. And so, yeah, I think it's about the realization that these two things can't be separated from one another. Absolutely. And I mean, we can have a whole episode about how, or even more than one episode about how people who, you know, spirit quote unquote, spiritual people can, can also take a, a page from activists and, and really, um, activate their love into the world. You know, we can't just be sitting on mountainsides meditating all our lives, thinking that that's being the change. Um, We have to actually create that change and create that peace we want to see in the world. So I'm excited to see how these two um, worlds keep on infusing each other. And, and, you know, it's really about the relationship. Sacred activism for me is really about that relationship there in lots of ways. Yeah. Well, speaking of what sacred activism is for you, why don't you tell us your story and tell us about what brings you to spirituality and activism? That's a great question. Um, And there are so many things, but um, really I started off, uh, I was on a spiritual path and um, spending a lot of time at a um, retreat center with a lot of Um, a lot of people who are really, you know, exploring lots of different spiritual paths and lots of different teachers would come and, and, um, there's so much wisdom to be gained, but I, I kept feeling this impatience. Um, the living at this retreat center sometimes felt like living in a bubble, like, oh, we just, this is the real way to live. (laughs) You know, the real way to live is being in community and, and eating good food from the farm nearby, which is which are absolutely things that I believe in. Um, but sometimes it felt like this bubble that wasn't really interacting with the, the real world. Um, but then I went into the real world and I was, I was starting to join up with activist groups and finding myself being sort of, um, bogged down by all of the cynicism and blame. And, and it kind of felt like, um, you know, I was seeing a lot of people sort of proclaiming these ideologies, uh, in, in really aggressive ways, um, that in a way that I sort of saw the other side, you know what I mean? Like the people that I kind of, you know, I was spending time in all these progressive circles with people sort of screaming these ideologies. And I kind of saw, well, I think that the problems in the world are created by people holding onto their ideologies, you know, um, I grew up in a really conservative evangelical Christian city and uh, and household and and sort of turned away from those people shouting their ideologies, you know. Um, so I I was kind of seeing that there was a I kept wanting the activists to come activate the the spiritual people I was around and I wanted the spiritual people to come be with the activists and sort of um you know, even just show some sustainable uh, practices like meditation and yoga and and ways that we can sort of um, connect to ourselves and connect to our bodies and connect to each Mm -hmm. other. Um, So I was really craving this, this intersection for myself um, and somehow stumbled upon uh, 
it was really, it was Andrew Harvey. He's the one who coined the term sacred activism. And um, I stumbled upon his work and then sort of went into this whole new world from there and have pulled a lot of inspiration from um, many people who are exploring these this path um, and talk about sacred activism. Uh, Mirabai Starr, Adam Bucko, Richard Rohr. Um, I just spent a week at the, the Center for Action and Contemplation and and it was so inspiring um, to kind of see how these two worlds are really, really feeding mm. each other. Yeah. But what about you, Rebecca? How did you come to sacred activism? Well, you know, I was also, I grew up uh, evangelical Christian, um, very conservative in a lot of ways. And as I got older, I kind of chafed against a lot of that. It just felt that a lot of the dogma and belief systems felt really restrictive and the ideologies as well, the political ideologies. I, you know, there was a lot of what felt to me actually wasn't aligned with uh, it felt like a lot of the political positions and beliefs of like the conservative Republican Party were not aligned with um, what I was actually reading about Jesus doing in the Bible. Um, so I, I kind of went through this phase, like in my maybe late teens and my 20s, where I would I was just like, I'm done with all this. I'm done with religion and faith and spirituality and all that stuff. But the thing was, th there was also something really genuine and really meaningful and beautiful that I got out of it. And so I kind of had a, a few, several years where I would bounce back and forth. I would be in and out and I would like get fed up and leave and then like miss it and come back. And um, I, I felt for a while, like I had two halves of my life. One was the life like that was secular for lack of a better word world where I just went to work and I had my friends and I did that stuff, but I didn't feel like I had any room to talk about my spirituality in any way. Um, and then I had this world of like church people that I would go to sometimes where I, I felt like I could talk about my spirituality, although I had to be careful because I, I did and believed things outside of church that didn't line up with what they were teaching there. Um, but I had a real sense of like what I call the Holy Spirit but, you know, how the universe, whatever it is, like being present in my life and like like being able to receive guidance from it, you know, and being able like that was so meaningful to me. And so um, as I got older, I started to really realize that I needed an integration, that I wanted to be um, the same Rebecca wherever I was. I didn't want to have to hide parts of myself. And so um, I found new spiritual communities, um, first progressive Christian communities, and then eventually um got into contemplative and mystical practices and got involved in inner spiritual circles. And so I've, you know, I've been able to learn and be nourished by um, practices and teachers from um, many different traditions. Although I still consider myself like kind of, I say I have one foot in Christianity and one foot in something else, you know? Um, and as I've moved on, I've uh, started to explore some of my intuitive abilities and, and work with those as well. Um, and then, so the other half of that was basically as I went through a spiritual awakening, there was like a political awakening that went hand in hand with that, you know, growing up, I grew up outside of DC and, um, a lot of people worked for the government or worked in politics. My parents didn't, but a lot of my friends did. And so I was always very, we were always very politically aware, you know, like I actually, when I was a kid, used to get excited about watching the McLaughlin group on Saturdays, which is super weird, you know, but like, um, it was for people who don't know, it was basically like a talking heads round table, like of it, 
it was like the precursor of like some of these shows like on Fox News where like all these pundits come on and like talk about things. But it was a little bit more um, <laughs> grounded and, and less less crazy, although there was some shouting. Um, but yeah, I I started I, you know, definitely had a political awakening. And I think around the time of Occupy, I was really inspired by what was going on. And I was in a place where I was reevaluating a lot of things in my life. And um, I began to start to like really have that desire to get involved in a more active way. Um, and at, at the same time, I was also kind of like um, realizing that the life I was living, which was just like working full time as a nurse and making really good money and having nice things, but also like not being happy with what I was doing. Um, it just made me reevaluate my life. And so I had started getting more involved in some like activist cultures and scenes. And I started to go to protests and stuff like that. But, um, I then ended up moving. And at the time I was living in LA into an intentional community that was dedicated to spirituality and activism. And that really helped to open me up even more. And I, you know, it was, it was such a, a great experience in a lot of ways. And um, I lived there for several years and I was around a lot of people who activism was their full-time uh, occupation. Like they were, I, I joke that uh, I always tell people I'm not a paid protester, but I know a lot of people who are, and I put paid protester in quotes, of course, cause it's like a ridiculous slur cause I don't get paid very much, but you know, they've dedicated their lives to making uh, a better world. And, and that dedication really comes out of their own pain and their own struggles and their own stories. And so, um, yeah. And so I did see, you know, being someone who I was in spiritual, in the spiritual world where I, that was the time when I did my spiritual director training, um, which was like a two year program. And I was around people who like were really wonderful and well-intentioned in a lot of ways, but were also, um, maybe not always, fully aware of what was going on in the world. And that was where I really observed a lot of that spiritual bypassing, um, where I had in, in other, other spiritual communities as well, where people are just like, Oh, like we don't want to talk about politics or any of that because it's like too, it's, it gets people like riled up and like, let's just be at peace. And like, let's just all love each other and get along. And, um, and also being around activists sometimes, some of who were spiritual, but not all of them were particularly spiritual and, and, and seeing the, those communities that are of like those hardcore activist communities where people just do get really burnt out, like they drive and push themselves so hard and um, just beginning to um, to see how we needed to learn from one another. Although the community I lived in was already doing some of that integration work, just seeing how much more needed to be done. And I probably tend to be more on the spiritual side of things. And I have to really like push myself to get more into the action side a lot of times, uh, because it is easier to sort of, um, to sort of just sit things out when they, they get too difficult. Um, and at the same time, there's also a need for people like you and me who are spiritual directors, who, who are, you know, one, one of the things I realized during my time there was that part of what I have to offer to the activist community is that my spirituality and our, my gifts and my abilities to like sort of sit with people and help them connect with their own spirit and their own soul. And that that was really part of my activism was being able to help people do that. And, um... I, I think about this because, you know, 
this came to mind when you were talking about like letting go of ideologies. Uh, I had this experience a couple months ago where I was in a coffee shop uh, and I was going to go to a, a protest to protest. Um, basically, some uh, the, some immigrants have been detained in our local ICE detention center here in Tacoma, where I live. Um, and we were going to go. Um, there was like a big rally and protest and all of that. And I was getting ready to go to that. But I went up to the uh, bar and ordered, you know, some tea or whatever. And I remember the barista asked me, he said, oh, what are you doing today? Like, what are your plans for today? And I told him, I said, oh, I'm going to this protest, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden his, um, his body tensed up a little bit. And I could just like see his like the sort of distrust and suspicion uh, come into his like his face and his body language and he said uh, and what motivates you to do that and my first response was just like oh this guy is on he is not one of my people like he doesn't get it he's not he doesn't understand like he's he's on the other side you know whatever and I, my first response was just to like go off on like how unjust it was that we were like <laughs> um, that we like just round uh, people up and lock them in these detention centers and all of that and I heard the little voice in my ear say oh wait a minute wait a minute just take a deep breath and so I did and I was like connect to your heart which I did and then I said to him I said I'm doing this because my heart longs to create a world where everyone is cherished and valued and cared for and where everyone has a place. And I said, I want that for myself. I want that for the people I love. And if I want it for them, I have to want it for my friends and neighbors um, and the people in my community, which include undocumented people, right? And I have mm -hmm. undocumented friends and neighbors. And so I want it for them too. And that's why I'm going. And his whole demeanor changed. It was like all of a sudden his face lit up, his body language opened up, and he was like, yeah. And he said, well, carry on then. Like, you do that, you know? And wow. that to me is what sacred activism is all about because, you know, you talked um, a minute ago about letting go of ideologies. And it's not about not having any beliefs or values mm -hmm. or any analysis, you know, or any of that. Like we have to like, uh, yes, I believe that white supremacy is wrong. You know, I believe that we do live in a white supremacist country. I believe that um, we do live in a patriarchy and I I do believe these things, but it's about holding it lightly, about not becoming so identified with it that I get stuck in the stories that are created out of that ideology and like letting myself just separate from it just enough so that I can maybe see um, maybe see a way forward to like shift somebody else's heart or shift my own heart, um, shift the situation. So that to me is really, um, that's my story. And that's what sacred activism is about for me. I love what you just said there, shifting your heart and shifting, shifting another person's heart. I think that's really, really what it's all about. And, and just really quickly, I think that what you're talking about, I mean, sure, it's sort of this small example, a very brief interaction with someone in a coffee shop, but it's really indicative of how, how our activists, 
how our social justice sometimes needs to be transformed mm-hmm. often, you know, yeah. and like how often do we have revolutions that are born out of anger? I mean, justified anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and they top, you know, the revolutionaries topple governments and then they build these same, um, like hierarchical domination, yeah, <laughs> you know, like completely ways of being right. and, and it just, it perpetuates itself. And that's what, I mean, you know, Andrew Harvey may have coined the term sacred activism, but we've definitely seen sacred activists. And, and I think it was, um, uh, MLK who, who talked about this, like revolution of the human heart and how, if we don't have that, then, you know, it's not going, going to matter what happens in, in our laws. And, um, yeah, I mean, he did say, you know, it is important to change these laws, but right. at least it's illegal for uh, a white man to kill me, you know, yeah. but, um, but we have to change our hearts, yeah. which is what you just said. Absolutely. Um, so I want to ask you, what are some, as we dive into this podcast, I mean, this is the first episode, we're just starting off. Um, what are some of the stories you'd like to tell and ideas you were thinking of exploring? Oh, well, I, um, I'd really, one of the things like I'm really interested in is looking at how people and communities especially are reimagining uh, and reinventing and sort of like reappropriating um, older spiritual and religious practices um, in order to help them sort of like bind together basically. Um, if you read some like sociology of religion and stuff, uh, one of the things they talk about is how religion does actually help bring people together in a lot of ways and helps them to work together in a way by giving them a common story about who they are, um, what their purpose is and like where they're going, you know, where they're headed. And um, things like breaking bread together and um, creating rituals and song and dance and all of those things um, that are often done in religious communities and systems really help to guide and get people on the same vibration so that they can function well together. So um, we're in this age where we've kind of moved beyond religion and we're we're talking a lot about people who are um, spiritual but not religious or they're often called the nuns. And I think there are really good reasons for that because a lot of our religious systems are very weighed down with a lot of dogma and just like old old belief systems that aren't serving us anymore. But I'm kind of curious about like how are people – finding other ways to like fill that space that religion provided and um, how are they reimagining some of the stuff? So that's one idea. Another um, is looking at um, doing some interviews with people who are doing really amazing healing work to integrate spirituality and activism to help along in this transformation and healing work. Um, we've got some mutual friends like uh, Kate Werning, who's talking about um, healing justice. Uh, Teresa Pasquale, who has started something called the Mystic Soul Project, which is uh, really developing uh, a people of color centered mysticism for activists, because a lot of these contemplative and mystical um, organizations Uh, practices circles are very white um, and rooted Mm -hmm. a lot of times in white culture. Um, 
we have, I have a friend, Mickey Scott Bay Jones, who I think would be really amazing to talk to. She's, um, she calls herself the justice doula. Um, she talks about the idea of something called brave space. Um, she's doing some really cool things, uh, with, uh, a project called the people's dinner where they're getting people together, um, in communities to like sit down and break bread together and talk about what's going on in our world right now. Um, even if they're not kind of like all on the same page or they don't agree with one another, it's about like getting them to really hear and listen to one another. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot more stories I could talk about, but, uh, what about you? What are some ideas you'd like to explore? You took all of mine. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> I mean, there's so much more, but um, but definitely community, um, how people are coming around in sort of different ways um, has really been interesting to me. Um, I live in an intentional community that I started um, with, uh, with my partner um, here in Brooklyn called the Brooklyn Center for Sacred Activism. And we've actually hosted a People's Supper um, through the Day of Dinners initiative here at the house. So, um, and we often have potlucks. And so I'm really interested in interviewing people who are, who are um, gathering in different ways and also the people who are sort of studying the people who are gathering in different ways. Um, and as a spiritual but not religious person, I mean, that's, that's how I identify. And I call myself actually a minister for the spiritual but not religious um, and like you said, I'm, I'm interested in how sort of how our spiritual beliefs and paths, um, our traditions are sort of mirroring our political institutions, like things are becoming more decentralized and, um, and, and these sort of old forms and institutions are really falling away. So I'd like to really dig into the parallels that I see between, between those two things and how, mm-hmm. um, how that's occurring. Um, another theme I'd really like to explore, um, something that's really been going on in my life is, is shadow work and seeing Mm -hmm. how, how shadow, how our individual shadows are, um, how they're aligning and, and being manifest in the collective shadow and, Mm -hmm. and how, when we work on one, we're working on the other. Um, and this is so important right now. I mean, it's always been important, but I think that as we're seeing, um, you know, the veil is sort of being lifted on, on the U S especially in terms of our racist, uh, white supremacist, misogynistic, um, ableist capitalistic society. Uh, you know, these structures in our society are all manifest in us as individuals. And so the more Mm -hmm. I look at that personally, um, and the more I, you know, the more I see that in the collective and vice versa. So I, I would love to talk to people who are, um, who are also sort of exploring those things. And one last thing I wanted to mention was um, vocation as sort of, I forget, there's that quote of like your, like what comes alive in you and what the world needs and where those two things meet is your vocation. And so, and I think, I mean, again, that's like, that's sacred activism. It's, it's your inner, um, your inner world meeting up with the outer world and being in relationship. And so, um, I think, yeah. and especially as spiritual directors, I think that's something that comes up a lot as people are trying to discern their callings, which is is what the vocation means is your calling. Yeah. And I think that ties in with something else, too, that I didn't mention at the top of the episode, but that was another, I think, motivation 
um, in starting this was, uh, you know, one of the things is as I've I've talked to some of the people that are in spiritual communities maybe but aren't um, or or even other communities that aren't part of the activist community is like they see the need for it and there's part of them that like wants to respond to it but it activist communities can be like their own subculture that is like hard to kind of feel like you can be a part of or resonate with. And and some of it has really been about some of what my own personal work um, in the world has been is about helping people to, uh, to connect to the activist community and just to trust, because I really believe that each and every one of us has a purpose and has gifts to offer the rest of the world and that we need to be able to like sort of like widen our definition a little bit of what an activist is to like encompass more people. And, you know, I want to help people trust that they have a gift to offer as well. And, and that's what I've been telling some of the spiritual people is like your your deep spirituality and faith is actually a gift that you, you can bring into this community. And even if you're not the one planning and organizing the actions and the protests and the, the long campaigns and all that stuff, you still have a place. You still have a place and you still have something to offer. So I think that really, to me, ties in with the vocation piece that you're talking about. I'm really glad that you just said that, Rebecca, um, because I think that a lot of people feel disempowered, um, especially when they're feeling overwhelmed. And so I think Mm -hmm. that with so much going on in the world, it's hard to to know where to start. And um, and so people just shut off, you know, because Mm -hmm. they're they feel like they can't take part. And so I think that with what you just said, I think we can really, um, hopefully empower people to, to take part in whatever way that they can, you yeah. know, and grow from there. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm excited. There's a lot to look forward to. Me too. Um, and I think, I think we're about to end. Um, and we decided to end our podcast with recommendations, Um, so Rebecca, is there a book or a piece of music, work of art, movie, or something else that is nourishing you right now? Yes. Okay. So I shared this quote with you earlier. I'm reading this book. I just started reading it. Let me find it here. Yes. It's Light in the Dark, Luz and Lo Oscuro, uh, by Gloria Anzaldúa. Um, and the subtitle is Rewriting Identity, Spirituality, and Reality. And she was a queer... Um, Latina, uh, uh, mystic and feminist. Um, and she's just like, she, she's been dead for several years. Um, I think most of this book was written like between 2001 and 2004 or something. And it's just amazing how it's speaking so much to like where we are right now, 10 years later. Um, she was writing like right after 9-11. Um, but she talks exactly, and she doesn't, doesn't use the term sacred activism, but she talks about the need for what she calls a spiritual activism. And, and it's exactly everything we're talking about. And, um, and yet um, what I love about it is uh, because she's tying it to a lot of her own indigenous traditions, she's bringing in this like all this like really imaginative um, sort of concepts and ideas and ways of looking at things that uh, you don't get in a lot of the other books that I've read about this topic. So um, that is really nourishing me right now. What is nourishing you right now? Um, Right now, I 
actually chose this poem. It's a poem by Mirabai Star from her book, um, Mother of God, Similar to Fire. Mm-hmm. And I chose this poem to finish up a, um, a, a class on sacred activism that I actually just taught. And it just resonated so well with everything that's going on in Charlottesville. And, and we've just heard about Barcelona. And I don't know if we ever get a break from the suffering in the world, <laughs> but those things are definitely up right now, um, yeah. especially Charlottesville. So this poem is called Mother of God, She Who Hears the Cries of the World. Mother of mercy, the cries of the world keep me awake at night. I rise from my bed, but I cannot locate the source of the wailing. It is everywhere, mother, coming from all directions, and my heart is shattered by the sheer intensity of suffering. You of boundless compassion, expand my heart so that I can contain the pain. Focus my mind so that I can arrive at viable solutions and energize my body so that I can engage in effective action. Give me the courage to follow the crumbs of heartbreak all the way home to the place where I can be of real service. Let me dip my fingers into the dew of your compassion and scatter it now over the fevered brow of this world. Hmm. Thank you. I feel like I have no words to follow up with that. So, yeah. Well, we want to thank everyone who's listening to this first episode of The Rising. And um, we will see you again next week. Thank you. 